2: This is True News, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us God. I'm Rick Wiles. Today is Wednesday, November 29, 2023. Well, yesterday, North Korea bragged that its new spy satellite had photographed the White House and the Pentagon in Washington, D.C. Today, the Iranian military released drone video footage of the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower as it transited through the Strait of Hormuz. Let's begin today's True News by looking at this report published by London's Telegraph newspaper today, Iranian drone films U.S. aircraft carrier entering the Persian Gulf. Doc Burkhardt is here.
0: Yes. And... uh, Let's uh, let's take a look at what uh, the Telegraph reported. Well, as the Telegraph is saying, Iran has released footage of the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower aircraft carrier as it passed passed through the uh, Strait of Hormuz. It recently navigated into the Persian Gulf to support U.S. missions in the area. The aircraft carrier was accompanied by the guided-missile cruiser USS Philippine Sea and guided-missile destroyers USS Gravely and USS Stedham and the French frigate Landuto. And so... Uh, It's interesting, uh, Rick, that the Iranians can get this close to a U.S. aircraft carrier and still be able to uh, release the video footage of it. Does that concern you at all? Obviously, it concerns me.
2: Um, Does this uh, does this mean our our Navy ships have no drone um, alert system?
0: That, That was my question
2: if it was an armed drone then it had no resistance whatsoever
0: right that was my first thought when i saw the story today
2: obviously if if a if an attack aircraft was coming in they would they would be watching it on radar they would Certainly. be prepared for it if if a submarine was in the area you would think that they would know that there's a submarine um but they don't know that there's a drone flying over top of them?
0: And like you said, it could be an armed drone. It could be, uh, remember we were talking yesterday about a suicide drone or a kamikaze drone that could, you know, plow into one of the ships and everything. Are you saying that the drones aren't showing up on radar? I don't know. It's a good question. I'd like to know. Or, and and I hate to throw this out there, but I have to consider all possibilities. Is it possible that the U.S. allowed that footage that's the possibility to come out because
2: um, it's helping to set the the stage for war with Iran right but what we have reported in 2 days is this yesterday North Korea released photographs of the White House and the Pentagon that it took from space saying to the world we can target the White House we can we can look down on the White House like like an eagle, and see who's going in and out of the White House in the Pentagon. We we can monitor the the vehicles that are driving into the parking lot, and if we wanted to target an ICBM, we've got the coordinates. Right. We can do this. That's followed up today with the Iranian military saying. Uh, we can fly a drone over top the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower
0: freely without any interference. With no resistance,
2: at all. no interference. You should be concerned. Times of London reporting Qatar fears Mossad assassinations in Doha. There are top Hamas officials living in Doha, right? And the negotiations between Hamas in Israel are taking place in Doha yes uh, and 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 so you have um, the CIA director, Mr. Burns is there. Uh, you have the Mossad director is in uh, Doha right now. Uh, high level intelligence officials from uh, from multiple countries are in Qatar. Qatar is acting as the um, intermediary. And saying, have the negotiations here. We'll try to get the the hostages released. But the government of Qatar fears that Mossad assassins are going to
0: kill Hamas leaders who are in the country for the negotiations. Right. And don't count that out because even uh, Defense Minister Gallant said yesterday that our targets aren't just soldiers in uniform, but— Terrorists wearing three-piece business suits. Yes. So, uh, this is from the London Times. Here, uh, Israel has promised Cutter that it will not try to assassinate Hamas leaders living in the Gulf state, but only for now. Israel is said to have reassured Cutter that it will not carry out a repeat. While Doha continues to host negotiations over the future of hostages still held in Gaza and other sensitive issues. Now, a senior intelligence source told the London Times it is a temporary measure in order to have Cutter's cooperation. Mossad's assassinations can take a year to plan, and for sure, preparations have begun. So that's coming from a senior intelligence source within the Israeli government right there. In
2: other words, we have our kill list. Yes. And we have the dates that we're going to kill them. They're on the calendar. And... uh, When we reach those dates, we'll execute the plan. That's right. Remember, the motto is rise Rise, and kill first. first. And they live by that motto. And that they have to wait years to kill someone, it's done by a methodical plan. They just don't wake up one day. I'm talking about the Mossad or any intelligence agency. They just don't wake up one day and say, let's go kill somebody. They have planning meetings. They have assassination dates on their calendars. It's a day of work. They have meetings to discuss in the future on this date we're killing this person.
0: That's just hard to process, isn't it? It is.
2: But that's what it's like to work in an intelligence agency where murder is part of the business plan. London Times... Israel-Gaza ceasefire could be extended if more hostages are freed. So it looks like this current ceasefire dock could go up to Sunday
0: if, if these uh, reports are correct. Well, uh, Israeli negotiators are offering Hamas a further three days of ceasefire, as Rick mentioned, lasting until Sunday morning if the group releases all the remaining women and children they believe it's holding. That's according to sources close to the talks in Qatar that we were talking about before. Israeli authorities now believe there are about 100 civilian women and children taken by Hamas and its partner militant groups during the attacks on October 7th. Last night, President Biden entered the uh, conversation, made comments on a personal social media account that differed in tone from official U.S. government statements. Now, he said Hamas unleashed a terrorist attack because they feared nothing more than Israelis and Palestinians living side by side in peace. And he said this on uh, X, formerly Twitter, to continue down the path of terror, violence, killing and war is to give Hamas... What they seek, and we can't do that.
2: All right, so let's just pause right there, Doc. Um, in the heated political climate that we're in, if you say anything that's intelligent, you're immediately labeled as pro terrorist. Right. You're not allowed to have any discussion about the issue. You at all. got it, yes. Zero discussion. Uh, I don't support Hamas, and I Don't support what they did on October 7 But at the same time I don't support what Israel did in 1948 And has
0: continued to done And continued to 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 do it
2: since 1948 And the reason that you have Hamas in Gaza Is because there's no hope for the Palestinian people Trapped in Gaza There's no hope There's no pathway to prosperity There's no pathway to a good life None The Zionists have cut them off. They have no future. The only future the Palestinians have in Gaza is to die or leave. That's it. The Zionists have destroyed the the lives of millions of Palestinians, and they've done it for decades. Right. They restrict their electricity. They restrict their food, their medical care, their education. Everything is restricted. Maximum pressure on 2.5 million Palestinian people to break their will, to force them to leave. That's what it's all about. Yes. To break their will, force them to leave, vacate the land. And and 2.5 million Gazans have not left. They've said do whatever you want to do to us. This is our land. We're not leaving. You have Hamas there because these guys are saying, we're not going to be so nice about this. We're going to get our freedom. We're going to get, uh, we're going to get a release from this pressure.
0: Or die trying.
2: Or die trying. So they have chosen uh, the path of violence. But the first group that chose the path of violence were the Ashkenazim invaders who came in the 1940s Yes, and took control of Palestine. They took up arms. They shed blood. Do you remember that the the Jewish Zionists blew up the King David Hotel? That was targeting British British soldiers. They killed British soldiers. The Jewish Zionists were planning assassinations in London, including Churchill. That's right. Eventually, the the Brits said, we're out of Palestine. This is just too much trouble than what it's worth. And the Zionists got control of Palestine. That was British mandate. The British-Palestinian mandate was in effect until 1948. Right. The Brits threw up their hands and said, we're fed up with it. We're done. We're out of here. And they had it after World War I. So the Zionists came in, and they didn't come in at one time. They, they infiltrated in in the 1920s, the 30s, the 40s. They smuggled in guns and rockets. And, and financed by the Nazis. And financed not only by the Nazis, but by the, by the fascist Nazis on Wall Street. Yes. They all was well, the same group. Yes. It's the same group. And so they were financed with both Rockefeller money and Rothschild money. And eventually they had enough infiltrators in Palestine and enough weapons that they were able to overtake the Arabs living there and kill a a substantial number of men, women, and children, including blowing people up in their homes at night, blowing up in t- entire towns, until uh, many of the Palestinians fled to get away from the fighting. They went to different places. Right. Some went to Jordan. Some went to Syria. Uh, those who stayed, many of them died. Others went into to concentration camps,
0: Essentially, it's what they are, yes.
2: To understand what happened to the Palestinian people, you have to understand what happened to the American indigenous natives we call Indians. They weren't Indians. They weren't from India. Why do we call them Indians? They weren't from India.
0: Right. Well, because— well, they thought they'd found the West saw, Indies. Yes,
2: but it was, it's a stupid name. They're not Indians. They're they're people. They're, they're called people, um, and and they were living here for a long, long time. Europeans came here and uh, said, "Hey, you got a lot of land. You don't need this land. We'll take it." And over several <laughs> what centuries yes the the white europeans exterminated the native americans who had been living on the land i know people don't like hearing that but that's that's the truth and and it's a great sin it's a great sin on the american republic this country has several major sins it's never dealt with the sin of what we did to the native americans the sin of slavery, and the sin of abortion. I agree with you. Those are our great sins. And um, all three involve bloodshed.
0: Yes, at one level or another. It requires death of
2: somebody. Yes, And as a nation, we've really never dealt with these sins. And God sees them as national sins so the European Ashkenazim who really are descendants of Khazaria an empire that faded away centuries ago a, a, a place where the people they were not genetic Jews they were Europeans who converted to Judaism and the Ashkenazim Infiltrated Palestine in the twenties, thirties, and forties, overthrew the Arabs, conquered their land, and have been at war with the native-born Palestinian people since 1948. And what we're being told today in 2023 is, you shouldn't think about these things.
0: Right. Put that out of your mind. Don't don't focus on that aspect. Don't of that. talk about it. In. They'll try to deny the past. Well, there never was a Palestine. What are you talking about? I can whip out a map and show you. (laughs) It's such a ridiculous...
2: um, Do you remember, Doc, when the movie came out about the battle of Wounded Knee?
0: Oh, yes. You had to be pretty young at that time, but... I remember them showing it on TV, and they had to cut some of the scenes out And so when they showed it on TV. And why did they have to edit the scenes from... Wounded Knee, because the massacre at Wounded Knee was uh, was so atrocious. Uh, they had open pit graves for uh, uh, you know for all the uh, Native Americans that were killed there, yes. and so. Um, but so the, the Amer- cause, uh, t- to this day, I still feel like the cause was a righteous cause, and so, but what not on it? our part, but yes. but the Native Amer- American Americans standing up you know, for four hundred years, we've been oppressed here. Uh, as a tribe, as a nation, uh, you know, white Europeans took advantage of a group of people who did not believe in private property, and said, "We're going to make it private property." Um, you know, it, it's a complicated situation now because we're so invested in, you know, everything that we've done in the past, but we don't like to look at that. That's the dark, bloody side of of, so, of our life, doc. When that All Mason greed.
2: Yes, when that movie came out, Wounded Knee. Uh, it was very controversial. Uh, a lot of Americans were angry about it. Uh, they were offended. Uh, it was considered unpatriotic to even go see the movie. Right. And uh, again, it was very painful because it it contradicted the storybook history of America. Right. Bury my heart at Wounded Knee. Bury my heart at Wounded Knee. Yeah. So it was very painful because it, it contradicted the, the storybook narrative of the founding of America. Well, there is a storybook founding of the modern state of Israel. Yes. And it's taught on TBN and Daystar television and all the Christian broadcasting networks. It's taught every day. Yes. It's taught every Sunday in tens of thousands of Zionist churches in America it's a storybook narrative.
0: Yes. And they usually have to use a deep voice to tell tell the story, too. Of course. Too, the kind of, God brought Israel back to its land after yes. thousands of years in exile. And, and that Israel is God's prophetic time clock. Right. So and, God used a globalist-leaning organization to set up a secular, Christ-hating state to fulfill Bible prophecy. That's, that, that's, that, that's it.
2: That's the narrative. And, and in fact, if you go back to... Uh, the Balfour Declaration, uh, Lord Balfour of Great Britain, the former prime minister and and minister of of foreign affairs, Uh, it was his famous letter called the Balfour Declaration that said Britain should uh, uh, support the establishment of a Jewish state in Palestine. And the Christian Zionists treat that document as though it's scripture. Yes, they do. But Lord Balfour was a necromancer. he talked to dead
0: spirits right. not just once or twice his entire life okay. and let's not forget that the Balfour Declaration the Balfour letter was Lord Balfour's letter to Jacob Rothschild. child to the Ross yes to Rothschild and anyone today you know the Rothschild you know they're they're the global elite they're the bad guys and everything right? But if it's the Balfour Declaration then suddenly God God brought about the Balfour Declaration I can still I can hear the announcer talking mm-hmm. about it um,
2: Hilton Sutton
0: he's passed I away that name for
2: Hilton, Hilton Sutton he would speak like that God said God said God. he's bringing back Israel um, Lord Balfour was a necromancer his entire family you know brothers sisters uncle they were all necromancers <laughs> yes. And not just—they didn't just dabble in it. They had, like, necromancy societies. Yes. They, they studied the advancement of necromancy. Lord Balfour, uh, the reason he was deeply into necromancy is that he was, he was in love with a, a woman. He wasn't married. He, he, he wanted to marry her. And on the day that he was going to propose marriage to her, she died suddenly. And he spent the rest of his life and fortune on spirit, spiritualists, right. trying to connect with her in the afterlife. Yes. He was trying to find her phone number wherever she was at. And he had accumulated fragments of, of conversations that these various uh, spiritualists said was his, his uh, girlfriend talking to him from the dead. This is the Lord Balfour of the Balfour Declaration, right?
0: But the Christian Zionists don't want to talk about that. And same goes for Herzl too. Herzl was involved in occult activity, and so uh, he was an atheist. But I don't know how he could be involved in the occult and be an atheist. But he was, and so, and yet he celebrated. You know, uh, the Christian Zionists take a tour out by his grave. Yes, they take. You go. You go on a
2: tour, a Christian Zionism tour of Israel. And the bus takes you straight to Herzl's grave. And he he was a a socialist, communist, atheist, occultist. That's what's driving foreign policy in in America today. So I'm going back to the the Native Americans. What the European Ashkenazim are doing to the Native Palestinians is the same thing that the European— Colonists and later American citizens did to the American Native people. And that is, they either were exterminated or they were placed in concentration camps.
0: And we, we, call, we call them reservations. We call
2: them reservations, but they're concentration camps. Here. I know you're living in this nice, fertile land with a lot of trees and rich soil and everything, but you really are going to like this dry, barren desert that we're going to take you to.
0: Right, and you're going to have to walk all the way You're going
2: there. to have to walk there, and you can cry all your way there, but you're going to love it when you get there. You're just going to love it. That's what we did to the Native Americans. The Jews have done the same thing to the Palestinians. They have done the exact same thing. They have built reservations.
0: That's what they've done. They've been, to make, they've been making them smaller and smaller and smaller by so, bringing settlers into the West Bank. Yes. They're going to do the same thing in Gaza. Yes. So, so Gaza had 2.5 million people living on a small strip of land.
2: So what we have witnessed in the past four weeks is the utter destruction of almost every dwelling on the Gaza Strip. So the, what the Jews are saying to the Palestinian people at this point in time is, well, things have changed. You now have no home. Uh, it's time for you to, well, you have two choices. You can die or you can go somewhere. But you're not going to live here because we destroyed your homes. We destroyed your colleges. We destroyed your, your hospitals, Parliament we, building. We destroyed your Parliament building. We destroyed your churches and your mosque. There's nothing left here. Die, or go someplace else. That's what the Jews are offering the Palestinian people right now. And it is, it's wrong. It's immoral, and it's just as immoral as what the European colonists did to the American Native people when we pushed them off land and put them into concentration camps yes and you can you can come up with any uh, excuse of why it it was the right thing to do no in God's eyes it was sin people took land from other people and often took their lives and this is what the Jews are doing to the Palestinians but you're not allowed to talk about it you are absolutely not allowed to talk about it. Now, Joe Biden said that Hamas unleashed a terrorist attack because they feared nothing more than Israelis and Palestinians living side by side in peace. Are you serious, Joe? How many pills are you popping every day? That's like the line that the, the Iraqis wanted to destroy America because they hated our freedom. Remember the the Sean Hannity propaganda line? They hate our freedom. They hate our freedom. They they attack the World Trade Center because they hate our freedom. And so Joe Biden here, whoever wrote this for him, said that Hamas launched the attack on October 7th because there's nothing that they fear more than Israelis and Palestinians living side by side in peace. Well, let me tell you something. The Palestinians would be— They would be very grateful if they could just live side by side in peace. But the Jews won't let them live in peace. That is propaganda. You absolutely cannot discuss anything in fairness. In America, I don't know what it's like right now in Europe and Australia and the other Western nations, but in America, you cannot have a... Intelligent, fair, unbiased conversation about Palestine and Israel. You cannot have it. It has to be totally 100% pro-Zionist or you are pro-terrorist and you have to be shut down. Yes. If you've been paying attention to news talk, radio, uh, talk radio shows, um. the 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 news television channels if if you've been paying attention to them for the past month they are so glaringly obscenely pro-zionist that it it's enough to make you want to vomit i i can't watch any of it i can't listen to any talk radio anymore i can't watch the news it is so pro-zionist and anti-palestinian that it is disgusting you cannot have a fair conversation. I um, will give you some examples here. So here's a New York Post article. Uh, uh, there's a model. I don't know who she is. Gigi Hadid. Okay. Whatever. Do you follow m- the modeling industry? I don't. Okay. So apparently she's famous. But she admitted that she failed to fact check a social media post. Accusing Israel of keeping children as prisoners of war, she said, "I regret that." See, her her career was threatened yesterday. Yes, she she made a post on social media that said, "The IDF arrests Palestinian children and keep them as prisoners of war." Well, that is a fact. That is a fact. They've arrested
0: hundreds, at least
2: thousands, thirteen thousand children 13, 000. since. The year 2000 or 2003, 13,000 Palestinian children have been imprisoned by Israel. For what?
0: Being Palestinian.
2: You, for being Palestinian, uh, making a face at an IDF soldier, uh, picking up a rock, Yeah, you know, a child picking up a rock. And, and they get arrested and put in prison. And so she made a statement on social media. Well, they came down on her. Oh, and a
0: ton of bricks and
2: she retracted it, and she said, I regret it. I didn't, I didn't do the fact-checking. I didn't think. Well, who, who are the fact-checkers? Zionists. The fact-checkers the fact online are Zionist-funded organizations. Yes. So you have to check the facts with the Zionists. And if it doesn't line up with them, then it's not true. Yes. So she backed down. She said, I, I didn't check the facts. Well, there's nothing to check. It's out there. It's been known for, for decades what Israel's doing to the Palestinians. Usually on Friday, they shoot a couple of them in the head. It's like every Friday, some Palestinian boys get shot in the head or the chest. Or the knee. or Yes.
0: That, that's their favorite target. They, the
2: they like to shoot them in the leg. They like. Do you know how many crippled Palestinian young men are walking around with one leg hobbling around in Palestine because they've been shot by IDF snipers? So, anyhow, uh, that, that's one example. Here's another one, Financial Times. Senior CIA official posted pro-Palestinian image on her Facebook page. Oh, man, they're after this person. This is a high-level CIA official. Here's the image. A Palestinian waving a Palestinian flag. Right. That's it, Doc. That's it, right there.
0: That's a pro-Palestine image.
2: Yes. But according to the Zionists and the Zionist-controlled news media, that is an act of terrorism. That is prohibited speech that is hate speech because you're showing a palestinian man waving the flag of his country that is under military occupation by the zionists yes and he's doing it as a proud palestinian who's saying we will not submit to the jews you can kill us you can crush our homes but we are proud palestinians we will not submit to you and for doing that, that is a crime. That is now a hate speech crime. Yes. In Great Britain, you can go to prison for waving a Palestinian flag. They have now weaponized displaying Palestinian flags as support of terrorism. So this is a high-level official in the CIA. And I don't mean just any flunky inside the Central Intelligence Agency. This is somebody that helped prepare briefings for several presidents of the United States.
0: Right. So a top CIA official posted a pro-Palestinian image, the same one that you see there, two weeks after Hamas attacked Israel, in a rare public political statement by a senior intelligence officer, on a war that sparked dissent within the Biden administration itself. The CIA's associate deputy director for analysis changed her Facebook cover photo on October 21st to an image of a man waving a Palestinian flag, the one that you see there, that is often used in stories criticizing Israel. Financial Times has decided not to name her after the intelligence agency expressed concern about her safety. Why why, why, why was she not safe?
2: Who was it the Palestinians were going to attack her? They're concerned about her safety,
0: right? So, so who was going to hurt her? Whoever doesn't like that photo, right? So, in a separate Facebook post, the senior intelligence officer also published a selfie with a sticker saying "Free Palestine" superimposed on the photograph. You see that? I've seen that on social media. Uh, one person familiar with the image said it was posted to Facebook years ago and long before the current conflict. The officer is a career analyst with extensive background in all aspects of the Middle East, and this post of the Palestinian flag was not intended to express a position on the conflict, said the person familiar with the situation. Well, what else was it supposed to <laughs> express? The CIA official has previously overseen the production of the president's daily brief, the highly classified compilation of intelligence that is presented to the president most days. Now, the deputy CIA director for analysis and his two associates are also responsible for approving all analysis disseminated within the agency. Uh, the former U.S. intelligence official said the image raised concerns on several levels, including the fact that the CIA has strong relations with Israeli intelligence. Now, given the CIA's longstanding, incredibly close relationship with the Israelis in a liaison capacity, this would be highly irregular for a senior agency official. Given the role director Burns is playing in the ongoing crisis in Israel social media activity along these lines by a senior US intelligence officer reflects exceptionally and surprisingly bad judgment said a former intelligence official. A fourth they they, they got a whole bunch of former officials. A fourth former official said the posting of the image appeared biased from somebody who is supposed to be fundamentally unbiased. You're unbiased? We, we have an unbiased Central Intelligence Agency. Right. So the definition of
2: unbiased in America is you completely support Israel. You don't question anything Israel does. You don't question Zionism. You don't say anything negative or critical about Zionism or the state of Israel. That is the definition of unbiased. Yes. Unbiased is to be one hundred percent biased in favor of Zionism. Right. Then you're unbiased. But if you have any other thoughts, you're unbiased, and you have to be dealt with. Some of you are, might be, you might be struggling with, why Rick? Why are you so? Why are you so hung up on what's happening to the Palestinians? What has that got to do with us here in America? I'll tell you why. There's two reasons. Number one, uh, because I have a soft heart towards people who are, are oppressed. I just naturally fall on the side of justice. That's just the way I am. I just naturally fall on the side of justice. When I see injustice, I get upset about it. And the greatest injustice in the world today is what the Jews are doing to the Palestinian people. It is the greatest injustice in the world. It doesn't mean I want anything bad to happen to Jews. I just want good things to happen to the Palestinians. Right? It's not right. It's not fair what has been done to them and what is being done to them today. I want to see that wrong made right. I don't want anything negative or bad or harmful to happen to any Jew on the planet. I just want to see the Palestinian people have a fair and decent, good life. And the people who are standing in the way of it are the Jews in Israel. That You have to deal with it. That's the number one reason. But the second reason, which is just as important, and this is where this affects you, the same people who are oppressing the Palestinians are the same people who are oppressing you and me in America. It is global Zionism. It's not the Jewish people. It is a political movement. Zionism is dangerous. It is a radical, dangerous, deadly political movement. And it seeks world domination, just like Nazism did and communism. Zionism seeks global domination. And they have... Uh, they've accomplished dominion over america and most of the west we just saw last week argentina fell to the zionists the people who are suppressing your freedom of speech deplatforming you delete forcing you to delete your your social media posts the people who are Uh, wanting gun control and gun confiscation in this country, the people who are protecting abortion, the people who are promoting homosexuality, sexual perversion, transgenderism, are the same people who are oppressing the Palestinian people, the same people who gave you the COVID pandemic and the lockdowns. And the mandates and the vaccines are the same people who are oppressing the Palestinian people. You can't ignore the Palestinian people and do something about the attack on your freedom here in America. It's the same group. You have to draw the connection. And by fighting for the Palestinian people, you are fighting for yourself, By opposing Zionism in Palestine, you are opposing Zionism in America or Canada or Great Britain or Australia.
0: And at the heart of Zionism is the philosophy that there is a certain group of people who are better than everybody else. It is supremely racist. Supremely racist.
2: It is the most racist movement on earth. It's more racist than the KKK it really is doc they are racist they believe that they are physically mentally morally superior to non-jews and they have a right it's it's interesting they they will claim a divine right to rule the world and yet they deny god (laughs) they'll use the bible to justify their power grab but they deny the god who inspired the bible but that's part of their game. And many Jews do not accept Zionism. Many Jews reject Zionism's
0: beliefs and, and agenda. There's a certain group of Jews out there that believe that Jews are under a curse right now, that they've been dispersed throughout the world because they're under a curse by God for not obeying him back in Old Testament times.
2: Yes, and that's true.
0: It is true, and their greatest
2: disobedience was the rejection rejection of Jesus Christ. And in seventy A.D., God led the Roman army to Jerusalem and destroyed their temple, yes. and and Jerusalem. And, and and what you have now are men trying to undo the acts of God. Yes, we men. We
0: defy the curse
2: of God. We're going to defy God. We're going to reestablish the state of Israel. We are going to build a new temple that he tore down. We are going to do everything that God undid. It's all man-made. Hey, let's take a quick break. We'll be back in a minute.
1: It seems like America is imploding before our eyes. But my father instilled in me a confidence that we can get through tough times. Tough times never last. Never last. But tough people do. I'm Dr. Robert A. Schuller, and I'm on a mission to encourage Christian families to prepare for tough times. That's why I'm endorsing American Reserves. American Reserves can help you build a food storehouse like Joseph in Egypt. American Reserves offers emergency food packages for a month or full year. Buckets of freeze-dried beef and chicken, assorted vegetables and fruits, and powdered eggs are ready for quick delivery. A panic can cause store shelves to be emptied in hours. Be wise. Be ready. Order food at AmericanReserves.com.
2: Hey, welcome back to True News. Um, we're talking about uh, the power of Zionism to shut down free speech and opposing views. Uh, I'm going to give you an example. So many nations have state-funded news organizations,
0: like the BBC, for instance.
2: BBC it's funded by the British government. You pay taxes. You you pay a television tax in Great Britain. Right. Uh, in America it's it's public broadcasting right. pbs that's state funded television and we know that the cia has for decades has had uh, cia agents working inside newspapers and television networks i mean we we learned that going back in the really? 70s with yes. the, the 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 senate hearings led by the late senator
0: church of idaho Yes, where you had open congressional testimony of people saying, yes, I'm, I'm a CIA operative. Well, you had you had a CIA
2: official under oath who said, um, when he was asked about it, he said, hey, uh, Senator, I'd prefer to talk about this behind closed doors. He was asked, does the CIA have any agents working at in the newsrooms of, of American television stations? And he said, Senator, I'd, I'd prefer to talk about this behind closed doors. So— what I'm what I'm saying is, many nations have state funded news operations. France has TV twenty or uh, France twenty four. Right. That's a state funded news channel. You mentioned BBC. Uh, Canada has uh, the Canadian Broadcasting uh, Channel. Uh, Australia has uh, has a state funded news service. Okay, so it's nothing new about it. Germany does. I mean, you go country by country by country. So why is it shocking that that Iran has a state-funded news channel? It was, it's called Press TV. It's state-funded television. Now, this actually happened about two years ago, but I, I just want to show you what censorship looks like. And this is America. So if you go to the website of presstv.com, this is what you find. This website has been seized. The domain presstv.com has been seized by the United States government in accordance with a seizure warrant. This is what censorship looks like. Right. And who who demanded that the website be seized the jews who else the jews demanded that washington seize the website of press tv why because it was a news site they they couldn't control right so if you can't control it shut Shut it 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 down. down that's why we see censorship in america almost all Of the free speech attacks in America in the last 10 years have been led by Zionists. Your right to speak your mind is under attack by Zionism. That's why I am a vehement opponent of Zionism. I'm not an opponent of Jewish people. I'm an opponent of Zionism. I believe in free speech. I believe Zionists should have free speech. I believe everybody should have the right to express their views. I don't go on the war path looking for a way to shut people down who don't like me. There's a lot of people who don't like me. I don't spend my time fighting with them. It's their loss. If they don't like me, it's their loss. I can't right. do anything about it, you know? Why Why would I want to go on an attack and and spend money and time and lawsuits and everything trying to shut down somebody who doesn't like me? That's their right to not like me. But Zionists say you don't have a right— to not like Zionists. You have to like us, and you have to accept the crap that we give you, because that is their attitude. We're going to treat you like crap. We're going to do whatever we want to do. We'll commit whatever crimes we want to to commit. We'll act as as rude and ignorant as we want to, and you're going to like it. Yes. And if you criticize us, we're taking you down.
0: And... You know, going to our Morning Man of Bible study, one of the things that's really been a revelation to me as we've been going through it, especially the past few weeks, Rick, is how similar are the struggles that Paul went through in preaching the gospel message in in the first century. And the Romans really didn't care. They, the Romans they, were not. Generally, they weren't upset unless you got into business. And even then, uh, we saw that uh, there were times where yeah, it was getting into business, and then a, a group of Jews showed up and stirred up trouble once again. It was uh, there were there was a group of of Jews that followed Paul around, no matter where he went, they followed him around. Yes, from one city to one another. to one city to another to shut him down. They lied. They paid
2: people to commit acts to to they, to uh, uh, give false testimony against him. They. They riled up mobs with false accusations. They brought false charges in this Roman courts against Paul. It wasn't a Roman government that was fighting Christianity. It was the Jews, and they're still doing it today. And Paul was a Jew. Yes. They opposed him. They hindered him, but he never stopped. And the same spirit is alive today. And I said today on Morning Manna, if you're a preacher of the gospel and you are not being hounded by the Jews, you are not preaching the gospel. That's a radical statement. But in 2023, if the Jews are not trying to shut you down, then you're really not preaching the gospel. Because the people who preach the gospel, the full gospel, the entire gospel and glorify Jesus Christ, and refuse to worship at the altar of this this fake idol called the State of Israel. If you refuse to do it, they're coming after you and your ministry and your church. It's the same spirit. Yes. Most of the preachers in America have no opposition from the Jews because the Jews aren't afraid of them, because they're really not preaching anything worth hearing. So when you start preaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ, they get riled up. And you cannot preach the New Testament without telling people what the Jews did to stop it. Yes. I don't think there are any sermons going on in this country anymore that quote those scriptures. They just dance around it. Nobody talks about it. But the old Christian leaders knew it. I, I have books around me. They're full of, of sermons that talk about how the Jews hindered the gospel. And these were by written by great preachers of the gospel. But all that's gone now because the, the pulpit pansies in America are afraid of them. And they believe that by appeasing the Christ-haters— the Christ haters will leave them alone,
0: and so I don't understand how someone who claims to love Christ can partner with Christ haters.
2: They love the Christ haters. It's just that much. Um, I found that this next article uh, this this fits into the wars and rumors of wars category that you know Jesus said. In the last few there will be wars, and there's going to be rumors of wars. Well, this next one is a rumor of war. London Telegraph. What do you think about this, Doc? France could be
0: on the brink of civil war. I mean, there are a lot of protests going on in France, all throughout France. I mean, it's it's significant what's going on over there. The Western world is very unstable
2: right now. And again, this goes back to why I've been encouraging you to to stockpile food and the basic necessities that you need. And uh, I, I had a conversation the other day with a medical doctor. I, I, I we're going to we're going to bring him here after the first of the year because he he he's doing home based seminars in his town, showing people the things that they have to do. To purify water. Okay, so we all think, we, okay, I just need a gravity-fed water filter, and, and that's good. By the way, American Reserves has their gravity-fed water filter on the website now. I forgot to mention that. And and I, you know, I've used one for decades. It's a great way to to clean water. But what the, what this doctor said was, none of these filters remove viruses. I knew that they removed bacteria. There's, there it is. It's the, it's the British Berkfield. That's the authentic one. The real deal. That folks. is the authentic water filter, and it comes with Dalton water filters, the ceramic water filters made by Dalton in Great Britain. No, That's the original. The Chinese not filters. Chinese. Not those black carbon filters made in China. But these are the original British Berkfield Dalton ceramic filters, and we now have it on American reserves. This is the one to have. This is the this is the company that started the whole thing decades ago. You know the 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 big one that everybody knows the name of, right? I will not say it, but all of you know which name. Um, I, I'm hearing rumors that they're going out of business. They've been around for a long, long time, heard them on shortwave radio for years. I'm hearing a rumor they're going out of business because of a lawsuit against them involving the Chinese filters that they were selling. Because that company used to deal exclusively with British Berkfield, and only sold Dalton filters somewhere along the line. They switched over to the Chinese filters and there's a lawsuit. That's what I'm hearing. Thats why I don't want to say the name or anything because I haven't talked to an attorney yet about all this stuff. but this is the original this is the This real is deal. the original. So it's now on the website of American Reserves. but anyhow, I was talking to the doctor, and he's going to come here and we're going to record his seminar on what you have to do to remove viruses from water. Doc, this makes sense now when you when you go back to the COVID thing. Uh, the pandemic, and remember, they were monitoring wastewater. Yes. So if if the virus went into the wastewater through your elimination, the virus was still circulating into the drinking water. Was COVID being spread
0: by city water? Distribution. I'll do you one better. They take regular samples of water and wastewater on a regular basis. There I still remember this story that came out of Germany that a sample of uh, wastewater from early twenty nineteen. Early twenty nineteen contained traces of COVID. Now how is that possible, Rick? How did wastewater in early twenty nineteen? I'm not talking twenty twenty in America? No, this was it was in Germany, Germany. uh, tested in Germany. But COVID samples, they went back and started looking at So they they
2: found it going back to 2000. And that's not
0: an isolated story. There were a number of stories like that. Um, Now, does that mean that COVID was around a lot longer than we think? And it was weaponized later on. I don't know. But that's what the report said.
2: Well, the one thing I know is that I'm seeing signs that we are headed into a COVID 2.0 experience for 2024. Look at this story from the Daily Mail. China's mystery pneumonia sweeping Europe. Netherlands sees alarming surge
0: in similar illness among children. Now, those images that you see if you're watching us right now, those are actually scenes out of China, not the Netherlands, but the, uh, the panic, the fear porn that's picking up in the Netherlands right now is picking up An alarming spike in pneumonia cases among children has been detected in the Netherlands, mirroring a similar surge in China. Dutch health experts are saying that a striking number have been sickened since rates uh, began soaring in August, with most cases among those aged 5 to 14. So this is targeting kids, Rick. Surveillance data shows rates of the illness, which can prove life-threatening, are already nearly twice as high as the peak recorded this year. Of course, we're really not into flu season yet. That really doesn't kick in until the end of December and the 1st of January.
2: Uh, The article says uh, the illness, inflammation of the lungs, is caused by a bacterial or viral infection and gets better within two weeks. A cough, shortness of breath, fever are telltale signs. Uh, Some people become very uh, sick, especially those over age 65 plus babies and young children and those with lung conditions. But yesterday we saw the video of the Chinese hazmat suits, people in Chinese hazmat suits, disinfecting streets and buildings and schools. With these blowers
0: again. Yes, we're right back
2: to where we were at in the spring of 2020. So let's learn from their tactics. They're getting us ready for another COVID-like lockdown because the 2024 elections are coming and they've got to control the elections in the United States of America. One final story before we take a break. This is number 11. Um, Novasti News Service. Scientists warn of the strongest magnetic storm of the year. Doc, it's coming in starting tomorrow.
0: Right. I've been kind of watching this past
2: couple of days. And, and this one is uh, this one's big. Uh, in the coming days, one of the strongest magnetic storms of this year is possible. And this is according to a, a Russian uh, Space Weather Forecast Center and the uh, the employees, Maria uh, Abonina. And according to her, the storm could reach the level of G3, which is strong, or G4, very strong. Quickly, I want to show you what G3 is. G3 is... Directly affecting power grids or causing disruptions in satellite navigation and radio communications. G4 severe with voltage control, erroneous operations of protective devices. Another Carrington event coming in starting tomorrow and going for several days. So be ready. It. We could be hit with a magnetic storm on planet Earth. We're going to take a break for station ID. We'll be back in just a few seconds.
1: You're listening to WWCR International Shortwave Radio. You can find true news on frequency 12.160 from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern and on frequency 4.840 from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern. Connect with us on Rumble, Facebook, X, and Getter.
2: Welcome back. I want to encourage you to become a member of Faith and Values platform. Go to faithandvalues.com and join, become a member. Uh, There's a seven-day free trial, and uh, you can check out the platform. You'll get to meet a lot of True News fans who are hanging out there. Our plans for 2024 is to add uh, more podcasts. Uh, We're searching for podcasters uh, outside of the True News world uh, faith and values wants podcasters not just talk about news but to talk about various subjects and we're looking for uh, podcasters who are informative and uh, particularly anointing huh? informative yeah. and engaging informative engaging and anointed you've been called by god you've got something to say that's worth hearing and uh, that's that's one of our big goals. Another goal, I'll tell you, these are our goals for 2024. And and, and um, some of you probably have already received a, a letter that I sent out for telling you what we plan for 2024. This is God willing. These are the plans that we believe he wants us to, to work on. Number one, to increase the size of the Faith and Values platform by adding a lot of new content and that requires an investment of time and capital in developing the content number 2 to enlarge to build a network of Daniel 11 micro churches home based cell churches we've got tens of thousands of people that are part of this ministry many of you do not belong to a church anymore many of you have not had the Lord's Supper for years. Many of you have no contact with other Christians on a daily basis. We want to get you into a a home based cell group in your neighborhood. And to do that we're we're going to have to hire five to seven regional church planners, field organizers to get into regions if we take the northeastern United States and the southern United States and the Midwest and the, the 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 upper plains and the western United States. We need five to seven regional field operators, uh, uh, field uh, directors, to plant micro churches. Doc and I don't have the time to do it. We're maxed out. We're, I, there's I don't have any more bandwidth. I, just, I I wish I could. I just can't do it. I need people. I need people who will come and be my hands and, and my feet and my mouth and work with me to build these micro churches. So we're looking. We're going to be hiring people, God willing, as the resources come in to get those micro churches up and running. We also will need people to develop Bible courses and the materials that those home churches will need. Right. All this stuff takes work. I'm maxed out. I'm doing this, you know, this program and, and, and morning manna, and I just don't have a lot more time to spare. Writing a book, I, you know, and and managing things. I'm just maxed out. We need those field organizers. Number three. God willing, we plan to launch the Defending Faith and Values Legal Defense Fund the Defending Faith and Values Legal Defense Fund. And we will have a team of lawyers who will defend Christians whose rights are under attack. And we will go into action. I have a feeling that there's another lockdown coming. More mandates are coming. You got to get ready for it. And the last time, many of you were we're inundating us with emails and calls and letters saying, my job has been threatened. Right. My my uh, my schooling has been threatened. Uh, if I don't take the vaccine, I, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my benefits. Uh, I'm going to be kicked out of the military. We were overwhelmed with people asking for help. And we had nothing that we could offer you other than some, some letters of support and encouragement. Not going to be... That's not going to happen again. If if you will get behind us financially in 2024, and that means starting this month in the final days of November and in December to build up a war chest, we will build a legal defense fund to defend you and stand for your rights. Those rights include your right to bear arms, your right to free speech, your right for freedom of worship we will defend your constitutional rights but it's going to require money we have to hire the lawyers we have to we have to prepare litigation all this is extremely expensive but losing your rights is far more expensive than That's the right. money it takes to defend them so those are our three big goals for 2024 and i'm asking you in these closing days of 2023 to make a very generous donation to True News to build up our war chest at the end of this year so that we can go into January loaded, ready to go, not having to raise a lot of money to get off the ground in January. I'd like to start the new year with a full war chest of resources so that we can begin hiring people and developing the resources that we need. We have a new address, True News, Post Office Box 399, P.O. Box 399, Vero Beach, and a new zip code, 32961, P.O. Box 399, Vero Beach, 32961. If you, if you feel led by the Holy Spirit that you're going to make a substantial donation, you may want to get our bank wire information, so email us, contact us, and ask for the bank wire information if you plan to send a substantial fund. Call us. You got a phone number that you can call us any time of the day, 800-576-2116. Or go to the website, truenews.com. Click Donate or the Heart. Use the app. Whatever you need, make that donation We plan to fight for your rights in 2024. We'll be back with Morning Mana.
1: Are you concerned about this economic storm and how your IRA and 401k will fare during these turbulent times? Top experts are predicting now is the time to be protecting your assets with physical gold and silver. Find out why Genesis Gold Group is the number one recommended company by your favorite preppers and homestead channels. Receive Genesis Gold Group's free Definitive Gold Guide today or give them a call at 800-200-GOLD.
2: Dear, gracious Father, we thank you for this awesome, beautiful, wonderful day that you have made for us. We will rejoice in it and be glad. Father, we invite your Holy Spirit to join us in this Bible study, and to teach us your Word, that we would know Jesus more deeply, more intimately, and draw closer to you, Father, in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: All right, uh, I'm in Acts chapter 20, and starting at verse 13, I'm reading from the King James. If you've got your Bibles, uh, read along with me, please, as we do uh, verses 13 through... uh, was it 20, Rick? 13 through 20? 24. 24. We tried to get to 24. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, verse 13, As, And we went before the ship and sailed unto Assos, there intending to take in Paul, for so had he appointed, minding himself to go afoot. And when he met us at Assos, we took him in and came to Metilene. I'm, I'm going to mess this up today. Metilene. Metilene. And we sailed thence and came the next day over against Chios. And the next day we arrived at Samos and tarried at Tregolium. And the next day we came to Miletus. Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia. For he hasted, if it were possible for him, to be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. Verse 17. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him... He said to them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of god god praise bless god. the name of his word today praise god
2: um i don't know how how much we'll get into all these verses it, it, it's a it's an important um uh, sermon by by paul and and i want to i want to devote the appropriate amount of time so we may not finish it today uh Starting in the, the first uh, several verses, uh, 13, 14, 15, we're still in Dr. Luke's travel log, and uh, he's giving us the details of their trip. Uh, but we, going ahead to the ship, set sail for Assos, and intending to take Paul aboard there, for he had so arranged and him. himself off to go by land, when he met us at Assos, we took him aboard, and came to Mytilene. So, remember, Paul. Paul went out sleep. He preached till till daybreak. Remember the, the little boy that fell out of the window. So this is the next day. And Paul's Paul has not had any sleep. Um, Paul departed Troas. He walked south along a Roman road to uh, Assos, which was probably about 20 miles, 32 kilometers. And he chose to go by land while his traveling partners went by sea. And there's no explanation for Paul's decision to go by land. Uh, Luke and the delegation boarded the ship at Troas, they sailed for Assos. That was the uh, coastal city in uh, messiah and and it had a very active, vibrant harbor that had a significant um, trade and travel industry. So Paul met up with them, and he was taken on board the ship as they sailed for Mytilene.
0: And you know, you know, it's interesting, Rick. That it says later on this passage that he hastened to get to Jerusalem. He was in a rush to get there, and yet he but he walked on foot here. So yeah, uh, I, there's, I don't know the explanation for it. I, I don't either. Other than maybe just led by the Spirit, the uh, Holy Spirit told me to walk this one out, fellas. So. But yes. apparently, all the rest of them went by ship, and Paul, in this case, maybe traveled alone. We don't know that. And, and it,
2: you know, Doc, it may have been a, a an issue for safety that he 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 uh, led the Jews to believe that they were all on a ship. Maybe that's it. Yeah. he went a separate way. We don't know, um, and, and Luke didn't bother to tell us now. It's interesting, uh, just on a side note, there's a little uh, <coughs> information. So when we, when we get to uh, the city, Mytilene, and that, that, that was a port city on the southeastern coast of the island of Lesbos. Uh, Lesbos is a Greek island in the northeastern Aegean Sea, and Medellini is the capital city. Uh, according to Greek mythology, Lesbos was the name of the god of the island. Now, this is this is what you're going to find interesting. Sometime around 650 BC, there was a a woman who lived on the island. Her name was uh, Sappho, and she was a uh, A poet and she wrote love poetry and a lot of people interpret her love poetry as addressed to women and so the word lesbian comes from the name lesbos the island lesbos it is where we get the word lesbian so now you know something you didn't know before um, so, um, they journey on from, uh, Assos to Medellin, uh, uh, Medellini. uh, then we get to verse 15, sailing from there, we came the following day opposite of, um, chaos. The next day we touched at Samos and then we stayed at, here we go. Troglodyum, and the day after we came to Miletus. You know, we're all this is just Luke's um, very travel detailed tour. travel log. <laughs> all right, so um, you know it's it's like uh, you know in the in the Gospel of according to Matthew the begots, uh, the, the, the the lineage of Jesus. Uh, so-and-so begot so-and-so. There was a reason God put it in the Bible.
0: Yes, I, and I believe it's just to say this: is, these were real events that really happened. You can go to these towns. You yes. can you can visit these cities. Even to this day, even though some of them gone by the wayside, you know, uh, over time and everything and buried under uh, other cities that have been started on top, but archaeology continues to confirm what the scriptures say. In other yes. words, Paul, uh, Luke didn't just imagine all this, or this isn't a fictional account. The, these real events really happened. We went here, then we went here, and then we went here. Yes. Uh, so for for me, and maybe for other people too, it gives me even a greater confidence in the scripture because it says this: these are real events that really happened. These are eyewitness events. Yes,
2: And it it helps me um, it helps me understand what day-to-day life was like for these guys. The boarding of the ships, um, the walking, you know, uh, it it wasn't all glamorous. There was a lot of of, um, just mundane things that they had to do. And God chose, the Holy Spirit chose to put those mundane things in the Bible to let us know that Paul was just like us. Right. So then we get to verse 16, for Paul had determined to sail past Ephesus, that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening, if it were possible for him to be in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. By remaining at Miletus, instead of going to Ephesus, Paul had the flexibility to embark on his voyage at any moment because they had a port, and he was in a central hub location. He could just jump a ship and go. Um, He determined to sail past Ephesus. He, He didn't want to spend unnecessary time Uh, and it wasn't that he didn't care about the people, but Ephesus was a major city, and he knew that if he went there, he was going to spend a lot of time. His primary goal was to get to Jerusalem, and he wanted to be there on a specific day, Pentecost. Why Pentecost? Two reasons. For the Jews, it's a significant festival that attracted uh tens of thousands of Jewish pilgrims from throughout the world who would travel to be in Jerusalem for Pentecost that gave him a, a big audience to speak to and anybody that would be saved would take the gospel back to their home city. Number two, uh, Pentecost was the the birth of the church when the Holy Spirit came. To dwell inside the believers, and uh, so Paul's plan was to uh, continue his journey from Jerusalem to Rome, and again, Pentecost was the time he wanted to arrive in Jerusalem. He had a very specific reason to be there. Verses 17 through 19. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called to himself. He called to himself. The elders of the assembly, when they had come to him, he said to them, you yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you all the time, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and with trials, which happened to me by the plots of the Jews. So, Paul um, Paul strategically decided to call the leaders of the church. The elders of the church were his his audience. He knew he had he had a short amount of time, and he had to speak directly to the church leadership. He knew if he got if he stayed in Ephesus, he was going to be going to house parties and dinners and breakfast. I mean, it's just the way it is. Um, he was going to have to be sociable. He was going to have to um, give time to everybody in Ephesus that wanted to connect with him and and, and fellowship with him. So he called a meeting of the elders. And the elders, the term is the same. It's interchangeable for bishops, overseers, uh, pastors. These are the leaders of the church. And... They're responsible for shepherding and overseeing their individual congregations. So he wanted to have a conference with the church leaders. And this was his opportunity to give them his parting words of of counsel and wisdom and admonition. So we have here in in chapter twenty. One of the most important um, messages anywhere in the New Testament outside of the words of Jesus Christ, Paul delivered, he seized this opportunity to deliver a sermon specifically to the leaders of the church of Ephesus. Right. And this sermon is significant because it's one of the few sermons in the book of Acts that we know for sure was spoken by Paul himself. That's right. So he begins his sermon with this powerful statement. You know, I can see Paul looking in the eyes of every bishop, every overseer, every elder in that room he he fixed his eyes on their eyes you know his finger and said you know you know what he was getting ready to say this you know that what you're going to hear today is not something new but the things that i taught you He said, from the first day, he reminded the elders that his relationship with them goes back to the very beginning from the first day he set foot in Asia. He said, you and I share personal history. You know, from the first day, the main point that paul emphasized was after what manner i have been with you at all seasons you know the manner i have been with you at all seasons what's he talking about he's going to the heart of the matter he says to the bishops the overseers the elders the pastors You know my conduct, my character, my way of life. You've witnessed me. You were personal witnesses to my actions, my behavior, my language, my my thoughts, everything. You know me. There's nothing vague about me. And he's saying to these church leaders, remember how I lived among you. You, you watch me, you listen to me, you observe me. He says all seasons. At all seasons, it, it indicates Paul's consistency in character and conduct. Right. And that his behavior did not change because of circumstances. He said, I, I was the same person. In all seasons, in the good times and the bad times, in the happy times and the sad times, I was the same person at all seasons. My behavior did not fluctuate. I wasn't moody, but I had a deep-rooted commitment to Jesus Christ and his work. And then he says, he talks about serving the Lord. He reminds them that the core of his life and ministry is serving the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't, his devotion was not a job. It wasn't a profession. It wasn't a career. It was a duty. It's a calling that shapes every aspect of his life. And Paul was saying to them, that his service to Jesus was not confined to just his role as an apostle, but it extended to every area of his life. In other words, he, he was saying, I would live this way whether I was an apostle or not. Yes. See, this is this is a message to you and me. Paul saying here. I would live this life of devotion and dedication to Jesus Christ whether or not I was an apostle. It's my love for God. I am committed. So he's, he's underscoring the importance of living a life of service to God and recognizing that every task, every assignment— no matter how small or great is an act of worship when it's done with the right attitude and intention. Then Paul says, with all humility of mind, Paul, for all this greatness, always remained humble. He had incredible knowledge education experiences he had authority as an apostle and yet he consistently remained profoundly humble yes and it wasn't a show it wasn't a facade but it was the genuine disposition of his heart he truly was humble he didn't exalt himself yeah go ahead doc
0: I was going to say in other passages, uh, you know, in the epistles, Paul writes, "I, I've got reason to boast. I could boast. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I could tell you that I'm educated. I'm a, a Jew of the Jews. I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I'm. I could boast in all of this, and yet I submit myself to Christ. And so, in, yes. and he reiterates that message again here to the elders uh, from Ephesus, saying, you know. I could exert my authority. I could do this, but instead, I'm going to be your example. I'm going to walk in humility on this, and I'm going to be led by the Spirit, just like you should be led by the Spirit as well. Yes,
2: you know, if you if you compared Paul with the other apostles, I mean, look at Peter. Peter was a, a fisherman. He 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 owned a fishing business. Okay, it's a, it's a good it's a good trade. He, he knew how to fish on the sea. He could make a living fishing. He knew how to sail a boat. He knew how to cast a net. Um, it, it, the man was physically strong. He worked hard. You know, fishing on the sea is a—it a, uh, you got to be a tough guy to do this work. Yes. But you compare Peter to Paul. In the natural level, right? Peter didn't have any education. <clears throat> Paul was essentially a lawyer. He was he was highly educated. He was refined. He, if if he had stayed a Jew, he would have probably become the high priest at some time. But here he is now. <laughs> Decades later, after his experience in Damascus, and hardly anybody remembers him. You know, you go back to Jerusalem. Do you think the Sanhedrin was thinking about Paul? They, if anybody, that man had, his career was on track to be high priest, and he threw it all away. The last I heard. He's wandering around out there in the wilderness, going from town to town, talking about a guy we, we executed decades ago. And he's out there wasting his life. That's how the Jews in Jerusalem saw Paul. Paul was a humble servant of the Lord. And he's really the, the example for all of us. He said, with many tears, his devotion to Christ came with a steep price to pay. His tears were not a sign of weakness, but a sign of compassion and concern for the people he served, meaning this, he was willing to suffer so that others would be blessed. You know that there were there were many days that he sat alone somewhere and asked the Lord, why do I have to suffer this much? There's nothing wrong with asking that question. Why, Lord? Why? Why do I have to go through these trials and tribulations? I'm helping people. I I, I am devoted to you to you and your kingdom, and I serve others. And yet my life is full of of pain and emptiness and and trouble. And and so Paul said, I've served Christ with many tears. It, It was a humble way to say to these church leaders, can you match my tears before you judge me before you criticize me on anything can you match my tears have you cried as much as I have cried for the church have you suffered as much as I have suffered for the church have you loved the people as much as I have loved the people and then he says and temptations Paul had temptations he sure did he acknowledged the presence of trials and challenges and temptations and he's he's primarily talking about the difficulties and hardships that he faced in traveling to preach the gospel, right.
0: So the better word there is, is trial, or yes, we go through. Not he's not speaking about an internal temptation, uh, but the 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 suffering that he's going through, the persecution, everything. Uh, but why is it? You know, Doc, the the use of the word temptation,
2: I think, implies these physical trials. The persecutions, the, the deprivation, the poverty, the lack I've had at times. The, I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing. I've been hungry. I, I think the temptation part is that Satan was tempting him to quit, to give up. Right. So he, he said, I, I, I've served the Lord with tears and temptations. My life has not been easy. There have been many days I I didn't think I had the strength to continue. I I thought I was too weary, that there was too much against me. You know, Paul's he's saying to himself, "I'm aging. I'm not getting younger." Look at my life. I'm out here on on the road by myself. I'm on ships. I. I I don't have a family, I'm alone. I don't know if I can continue this work, but I do it because I love Jesus and because I love his church. And so this this needs to be an example to all of us that there will be times when it's difficult to continue, but God will give you grace. He will give you grace to go through those times. He said, okay, to put this all in order, with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. The number one source of opposition and danger to Paul was the hostility of the Jews against Paul and the gospel. Right. Throughout his journeys, Paul encountered resistance from some Jewish leaders. Remember, others got saved. But there was always a hardcore group of Jews who said, we're going to beat him up. We're going to put him in jail. We're going to kill him if we have to. We're going to kidnap him. We're going to do something to this guy. We're going to shut his mouth. And they were not content with just disagreeing with him. But, but these Jews would conspire to physically harm him and to undermine his mission. And this goes on today. And I'm going to say something right now. If the Jews in the world are not fighting your ministry today, you are not preaching the gospel If the Jews in 2023 are not seeking to bring you down, hinder you, oppose you, silence you, then you're not preaching the gospel. Right. So most of these preachers in America are not preaching the gospel because they have no Jewish opposition at all. In fact, the Jews are delighted in them, which... That in itself ought to be a a red flag. So what we see in verse 19 is Paul's insight into his life of dedicated service to the Lord. Humility, compassion, perseverance, willingness to face opposition for the sake of the gospel— Then we move on to verses 20, 21. How I didn't shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, teaching you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus. Let's start with Fearlessly proclaiming the truth. He said, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable for your soul. Right. I didn't hold. I didn't know things that God shared with me, and I didn't share it with you. I didn't keep wisdom and revelation for, for my own personal benefit and edification. I I gave you everything the Lord revealed to me. I told you everything. I didn't hold back anything. If it was profitable to you, to your soul, I delivered it to you. I wanted your soul to grow, to prosper. I wanted your life to be prosperous. Profitable content. Paul's teaching was focused on what would be profitable for the spiritual growth of the people of God. Yes. So that included doctrinal truth, moral guidance, encouragement, the full counsel of God. We've said this before, you know, because of YouTube and the Internet. The Internet is full of instant experts, self-appointed theologians, self-appointed bible prophecy experts and their 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 videos and their websites many of them are putting out a lot of doctrinal error because they themselves are not students of the word and they haven't suffered for Christ yes see see if you the suffering will burn out a lot of junk in your in your in your ministry. If you're willing to suffer for Christ, you're going to throw overboard anything that's worthless.
0: That that's true.
2: You know why? I'm not going to suffer for something that's not true. That's why who who would suffer for something that's not true? See the suffering separates the boys from the men. The boys run away, but the men stay. And I'm I'm using that that term because it it applies to women too. It it separates the girls from the women. So you have to have that suffering to chase out, to weed out the doctrinal error. So then he he said the He said, I I taught you publicly and from house to house. Paul's ministry was not limited to public gatherings. He preached and taught the gospel publicly in in the town square, wherever he could get, you know, sometimes he rented a building. Sometimes he rented a, a lecture hall, but it was open to the public. But he also went house to house. Paul had house meetings. And I got to tell you, for Doc and me, our big goal for 2024 is to organize you and others into the Daniel 11 house churches. We haven't forgotten about this. We're in the process. We're still moving physically. We've, we've been in a moving uh, phase for months, and uh, we're just about there to have it finished. But our main drive in 2024 is to organize these home churches, these Daniel 11 micro churches. Paul and the other apostles had micro churches. Yes, house to house. People invited their friends and neighbors and relatives to a meeting with Paul. And Paul went there and, and taught the word standing in living rooms. Yes. He did it to make sure the people understood the gospel. Can you imagine having Apostle Paul in your home? To hear him teach and then to be able to ask him questions.
0: <laughs> but he did it. And he held nothing back. That you know, he, no. he makes that he makes that clear. I've not withheld anything from you. You got it all. You got the whole, you got both barrels. <laughs> Doc, did did he ever have downtime?
2: I mean, the man was working. I mean, how many nights a week was he in homes?
0: Maybe that's why he walked on foot instead of riding the boat with the guys, and so he had some alone time. I, I fellas, I got well, you know, just like actually,
2: Jesus. no, actually, that's a that's a very legitimate theory that he just said. I I just need to be alone with the Lord. If I get on the boat with you, we're going to talk.
0: <laughs> I'm going to feel compelled to teach. Yes, isn't that the truth? I mean, we, we find ourselves in situation like right now. I mean, you know you and I, we could sit here, we could talk, we really could talk for hours about the Word of God and the Scripture and everything. We we actually have to restrict ourselves. Yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, in both you and I, we have to have that alone time where, you know, we get away from people, get away from everybody and just get quiet so we can hear what the Lord is saying rather than what, uh, what we're saying to everybody else.
2: Yes. So, you know, most likely these uh, home meetings were at night because the people were working during the day. So, you know, Paul's schedule—you um, know—in the, in the daytime, he 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 probably had one or two public meetings. Plus, he's uh, working
0: too. Remember,
2: I mean, he was working. He was making tents, and if you make tents, you have to sell tents. Yes. Or you just have a, a big pile of unsold tents so he was working also but he worked for jesus as he worked for himself what what do i mean because as he was making tents he talked to everybody about jesus right so he delivered a message a message of repentance and this message was delivered equally to Jews and Gentiles. He had the same message. All must repent, turn from their wicked ways, believe in the name of Jesus, and be baptized into his holy name, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So repentance and faith are not exclusive to specific groups. These are universal principles that are applicable to all humanity.
0: It's the same for everyone, Rick. Yeah, there's not yes. two classes of, of people based on uh, where they were born or their genetics or their her- her- hereditary status, Jews and Gentiles. We come to, by repentance to God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's right. That, that's it. And repentance
2: and faith are intricately connected. You, you cannot if you preach repentance you have to preach faith if you yes. preach faith you have to preach repentance it's Got one right. of my criticisms of the of the faith movement in the modern church and I right. have nothing against they preach faith but they seldom preach repentance
0: and there was a time where there was the emphasis on repentance which is a good thing too but no not walking in in faith, faith in that right so
2: you you can have a, let's say um you know fundamental fundamental Baptist churches would really come down hard on repentance. Right. But they never taught faith. Yes. You have to teach them together, repentance and faith. So this was consistent, faith and repentance, repentance and faith. This was consistent in Paul's preaching, whether he was speaking to Jews or Gentiles whether he was speaking to philosophers in Athens or peasants in Lystra. It didn't matter to him. They heard the same message. And he emphasized these central themes, repentance and faith, the foundation to Christian doctrine. And so this is a lesson for us today, to, to always deliver that message together, repentance and faith. Then we get to verses 22, 23. Now, behold, I go bound by the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions wait for me. He expresses this strong,
0: unwavering determination to travel to Jerusalem. And this had been going on for a while because, um, you know, it was back in chapter 19 when he was uh, in Ephesus, back when he was in Ephesus before, that he felt being led by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem and then ultimately to Rome. Now, we don't know whether the Holy Spirit said specific words or anything, but, uh, you know, he felt purposed in his Spirit. I have to go to Jerusalem and I have to go to Rome. And so he's uh, reiterating this message to the elders from Ephesus. You remember when I was there in Ephesus and the Lord spoke to me about going to Jerusalem and Rome? I'm reminding you, I'm I'm purposed in my heart on this. This is the Spirit's leading on this.
2: Yeah, Paul, uh, uh, Doc, you see this uh, is a transition. Earlier, he's led led in the Spirit to go to Jerusalem and Rome. Now he's bound in the Spirit. Yes. He's oh. saying, I can't get out of this. It's good. I am I'm, I'm locked I'm locked down. I am bound in the spirit to go to Jerusalem and Rome. So
0: Huh. I hadn't thought about that before. That there is yes. a transition there.
2: It's a transition. So he he says uh he's saying, you know, whatever fears or any um, reservations I have it doesn't matter. I'm going, I have to get there. I've set my face as Flint. I'm going to go. I'm going to fulfill this, this goal. And uh, so then um, we get to verse 24, but these things don't count, nor do I hold my life dear to it so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry, which I received from the Lord Jesus to fully testify to the good news of the grace of God. So he's expressing—go ahead, Doc.
0: No, I'm. I, you know, it just occurred to me on that verse, do you think Paul knew that he was going to perish in Rome? Yes. On this verse? Yes. Yes. He's talking do, about watching his course there. Yes. Yes, I do. And I believe he
2: was looking at the faces of his uh, brethren— And not saying to them with words, but his heart was saying, I'll never see you again in this life. Yes. This is the last time you're ever going to see me. I'm going to die soon. And I think he knew it. And when he says none of these things move me, he's saying none of these difficulties, none of this opposition, no plots by the Jews, nothing's going to move me. I am going to fulfill this this goal, this assignment. I am bound in the spirit to go. And he's saying, my life life is not so dear to me that I'm going to avoid suffering, imprisonment, even death. I'm going to finish my course. He wanted to, he wanted, he, he saw life as a course what's well, a course not not an educational course but like, like a, a race. race track yes like a race track i'm going to finish this race i'm going to cross the finish line i'm going to get there i'm not going to give up on the lord before i get to the finish line i'm not going to go astray before i get to the finish line i'm not going to be diverted to do something else before i get to the finish line i am going to cross the finish line. I'm going to finish my course. And it's basically he's saying, don't get in my way.
0: And the, don't get in uh, my way. And the elders of Ephesus understood that, uh, uh, that meaning because that Ephesus were, they were having, you know, some the ra- of The, game. the,
2: the, the, the ra- games. Yes. The Ephesian games were held there, so like the Olympic games. So I, I yes, yeah, so Doc, I do believe that he, he understood. He had some type of revelation from the Holy Spirit that he was approaching the end of his life, and he had these two stops that he had to make, and it was absolutely essential that he, that he accomplished those goals. He had to get to Jerusalem. He had to get to Rome. He was bound in the spirit, but he also knew that it was the end of his, of his life. He would finish the course, cross the finish line and receive his crown of glory. Yes. And, you know, the old boy was tired. He, (laughs) uh, his bones were aching. Um, He was probably saying, uh, Lord, I uh, I will stay here on earth as long as you want me here. I'll put up with whatever I have to go through for you. But when you're done with me, (laughs) I'm ready to come home. When you're done, when you're finished with me, I'm ready to come home. But he wasn't going to leave this world until the Lord was finished with him. Yes. And he, he was saying... If, I, if there are more battles to face, more jail time I have to serve, if there's more beatings I have to take, then so be it. I'll do it. Right. I'm going to cross that finish line. Well, anyhow, hey, that's it for today. Thank you so much. I appreciate you uh, spending this time with us. This is a, a really important message in, in the book of Acts.
0: Yes. And if you want some additional insight on Paul's relationship with Ephesus, the church at Ephesus, read the book of Ephesians, uh, the the epistle of the Ephesians and where he goes into great detail about our position in Christ, uh, that we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I mean, he goes into some, just even in the first chapter of Ephesians, um, Rick, uh, recommends uh occasionally if somebody's going through a trial or something read the book of ephesians every every day for a month for one month uh it's only only about five chapters and read it aloud yes read it aloud and it's life-changing so paul had an expanded message really if you want to get the the full uh panorama what paul said to the elders read the book of ephesians And yet at the same time, we read in Revelation chapter 2 that at some point later on, the church in Ephesus left their first love. That's right. And so none of us are immune to the uh, temptations and trials of life and neglecting that first love, even if we've had a message directly from Paul.
2: I know. That's, That's a sobering message, Doc. Yes. Sobering message. All right. Hey, listen, thank you everybody. We appreciate you being here for Morning Manna today. Invite people to come on board. Okay. There are thousands of people already inside the Faith and Values platform that have not been in the Bible study. So as you interact with people, invite them to come to a class. Yes. Or at least watch watch the archives.
0: Yes. And okay, gotta go. We're here every weekday morning at 8 a.m., so we'll see you tomorrow on the next Morning Manna. God bless All you.
2: Right, goodbye. See you. I love teaching the Word. I, I really look forward to Morning Manna every day. Um, Doc, one thing I've always wondered about, Apostle Paul, he was determined to go to Rome. Yes. And there were prophetic warnings to him. He knew something tragic was going to happen to him in Rome. Yes. And yet before those things happened, he knew
0: he was going to Rome. That he was going to finish his course in Rome. That's what our passage today talked about. As if to say that was where it's all going to end. It's going to end so in Rome. So he
2: knew it. The Holy Spirit had revealed to him, and yet he didn't know the details. He just had a knowing in his spirit that his life his ministry was going to end in Rome you would think most people would say well i'm going to do everything i can to get there as slow as i can right
0: <laughs> right but he it says in but the he was determined
2: he, he was hastening he was hastening because apparently the holy spirit had revealed to him paul your your time on earth is up you have done everything your heavenly Father has asked you to do, and you have suffered. And you are weary, and we're going to bring you home for some R and R, and it's going to happen in Rome.
0: Yes, and he going to was stop in Jerusalem first, but then,
2: but so he was in a hurry to get to Rome because he was ready for the R and R. He knew it was a call for heavenly rest. Praise God. I love studying the Word of God. Join us in Morning Manna. You've got to become a member of Faith and Values. Love you so much. See you tomorrow on True News.
1: Listening to WWCR International Shortwave Radio. You can find true news on frequency 12.160 from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern and on frequency 4.840 from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern. Connect with us on Rumble, Facebook, X, and Getter.